press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Tuesday, August 23. Unemployment is low and job vacancies are through the roof. So why are more Australians on welfare now than before the pandemic? More than 892,000 welfare recipients are outside the labour market, even though there are more than half a million jobs vacant. Making an insurance claim is more stressful than living through a natural disaster. New research revealed in The Australian today shows people who survive floods and bushfires face enormous difficulty getting a payout. One woman had to ring her insurer 44 times, while another survivor had more than 25 expert assessors traipsing through his home. First up today, an emotional funeral service for 48-year-old mother Lametta Fadlala. She was shot dead in a gangland assassination that has police warning of escalation in Sydney's crime war. That story and the incredible audio of the moment she died in just a moment. And later in the episode, the buy now, pay later revolution has made some Australians very wealthy indeed. But now the gloss seems to be coming off the business model. Mourners have farewelled a 48-year-old mother whose death has turbocharged the gang war raging on the streets of Sydney. Lametta Fadlala died last week in a targeted attack in the southwestern Sydney suburb of Reevesby. Liam Mendes is a reporter with The Australian and has been following the story. Liam, tell me about Lametta Fadlala. Who was she? Lametta was a 48-year-old woman who lived in southwest Sydney and just over a week ago she was assassinated in the back seat of a car just outside of her house. And the only recorded criminal history she had was a minor traffic infringement. But she was on the radar of police. You know, she was appearing in intelligence reports, but she wasn't really seen as a big player. She was with a friend when she was killed. Who was that? So she was with her friend and hairdresser, Amy Hazuri, and they were with two other people as well, a 16-year-old girl uh, who was a bit of a social media influencer and a 20-year-old male. And he was driving the car and they were sitting in the back seat. And essentially what happened was these gunmen came to the car, used the gun to tap on the window and then fired around 17 shots into the back of the car where Amy and Lametta were sitting. And you can hear the taps on this pretty incredible recording of the shooting. It's incredibly chilling audio, Liam, and most CCTV, as you alluded to, doesn't record audio. It's an incredible get for a journalist. Yeah, when this neighbour played this to me, I, I had shivers going throughout my body. Although Lametta Fadlala's own criminal history was very limited, she did have very deep underworld connections. She'd been married to two people well known to police, and there's been reporting that she was herself in charge of serious organised criminal activities. Is there any doubt about that, Liam? And what's her family saying about it? 
her family have been in, um, I, I guess, a, a state of denial is the easiest way to put it. They at first were saying that she's got nothing to do with the, the underworld just because she was married to these two guys doesn't mean that she's got any involvement. But a, a lot of police and underworld sources are saying that, you know, there, there might be a little bit more to the story here. These sort of hits are incredibly expensive and they've really got to be done in a way where it's got to be organised, you know. There were three burnt-out cars found. This was a professional hit. And are police expecting more hits now? Is this just going to escalate? Over the last couple of years, the brazenness of these attacks it just seems to be escalating. And to be completely honest, it does appear that police aren't really sure how to put a stop to it. It keeps happening and the arrests that are being made are quite minimal. Civilian deaths in the crossfire are fairly rare, Liam, but that's who police are saying Amy Hazuri was, a civilian who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, What are people who you're speaking to saying about Amy? Everything that's been said about Amy is that, you know, she was this beautiful, full of life, young woman. She has a fiancé in in Lebanon. She just returned from there. You know, I spoke to some of her clients. They were distraught at the fact that they lost, you know, not just their hairdresser, but many of these people considered her as a a really very close friend. And that's the thing about this. She is a completely innocent collateral in this ongoing war. Liam, tell us about the funeral held on Monday in Sydney. What was the tone of it? What did you see? So the funeral on Monday it was similar to some of the these other gangland funerals that we've seen. A heavy police presence, the Raptor Squad, Highway Patrol, and even a police helicopter circling the uh, church in Punchbowl and then following the hearse from that location to Rookwood Cemetery where she was placed, I'm told above her father. There were about a hundred people there and interestingly her eldest son didn't even enter the mass because he's of the Muslim faith. Most of the service was spoken in Arabic and only a few words were spoken in English. But as the mourners left the church, they released white balloons to remember her by. Mourners were told that she lived for her children and even when times were tough, she spared no expense for her sons. Afterwards, a a close relative of hers told me that, you know, remembered her as having a great gold heart and that she put everybody first, especially her two children. She put them first. One person said, people do make mistakes in their life, but she didn't deserve to die the way she did and that she didn't do any wrong in their belief. Leah Mendez is a reporter with The Australian. Coming up, how the party ended for Buy Now, Pay Later. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents... We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. 
Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Many of us have used Buy Now, Pay Later. It's a bit like the new lay-by. There are products like ZipPay and Afterpay, and it's made a lot of entrepreneurs very wealthy. But it turns out with rising interest rates, these products are on a knife's edge. Funding costs are surging, bad debts are rising, and the competition's heating up. Joyce Malakis is the senior banking reporter with The Australian. Joyce, tell us first up, what is Buy Now, Pay Later? Well, basically, Claire, it allows you to purchase something where you're only really stumping up 25% of the purchase price at the time, and then you're paying back in instalments. But you're taking the goods, unlike lay-by, that's the key difference, and then you're paying back in instalments the remainder of the purchase price, whether that's in four weeks or six weeks, the terms can vary among different providers. You're not paying interest on credit as you would with a loan per se, but some providers do charge other fees, late fees or monthly fees. So you do need to watch out for those sorts of things. So if I'm not paying an interest rate, where does the provider make their money? Well, they do make money in fees. Even though you're not paying interest, the merchant, if they're a small business, a corner store business, say a jewellery provider or something like that, they could be paying 4% or even up to 6% for each transaction that's a buy now, pay later transaction. Competition is seeing those fees come down as you get PayPal and others enter, but that's how they predominantly make the largest chunk of their revenue. So is the business modelled on the hope that people might default or might end up paying some interest if they aren't able to keep up with those repayments? Uh, well, there was a, a quite a bit of controversy a couple of years ago when ASIC had a look at the late fees that people were being slugged because they were, uh, I think, in the order of 20 or $40 per late transaction. What Afterpay generally does is if you don't pay back, you get slugged with a fee, but you're not allowed to transact again on the platform. So I don't think their business model is based on that per se, but obviously they were earning big amounts from those hefty late fees. In a US corporate filing, it's been revealed that Afterpay's loss increased from $79 million to $345 million. So that's in the six months to December last year. Now, troubling are bad debts that are rising, $176 million of them during the period. The big players are Afterpay and ZipPay in Australia. They were very cool for a while. The entrepreneurs became very rich. Joyce, were they turning a profit or were they just seeing fantastic rise in their share price? Well, they were seeing a fantastic rise in their share price, largely on the back of surging customer numbers, surging merchant and retailer numbers and surging revenue. But because they were growing so quickly and getting this volume going through their networks, they kept investing, expanding overseas into the US and other markets overseas. And neither was profitable. Zips now sort of fast track plans to be profitable, hopefully ahead of 2024. They've sort of said they want to bring that forward. So we'll see where that gets to. Afterpay, it's a little bit harder to tell now because obviously the company's been taken over by Block in the US. So um, their results are combined in there and it's a bit messy, hard to untangle as well. So one of the things happening in Australia now, as everyone with a mortgage knows, is that cash is becoming more expensive. What does this mean for the buy now, pay later providers? 
Well, basically, they still have to fund their business. So they're paying more as official interest rates go up. And as we get expectations of higher rates, they fund off a thing called the bank bill swap rate. So as that increases, their cost of funds increases, and then that puts more pressure on their profits. One of the people I interviewed for my story, who has been in the payments industry for a very long time, Grant Halverson, was saying that if funding costs rise to 2.65%, that means that pretty much, in his view, every buy now, pay later transaction in the country will be unprofitable. So it's quite a startling finding because interest rates are you know, we're, we're not far off that really when you look at some of the real swap rates as I did over the weekend. Yeah, it's an extremely disturbing prospect if you happen to be one of the investors in these products. But surely they must have seen this coming, Joyce. I mean, we all knew interest rates couldn't remain at effectively 0% forever. And of course, one of the reasons that Reserve Bank target cash rate is rising is to try to quell inflation, to stop people spending. Has that had an impact as well, stopping people going out and shopping and using buy now, pay later services? Well, not yet. When I spoke to Peter Gray on Friday, he was saying that there wasn't any notable pullback in spending on buy now, pay later transactions. And something that wasn't in my story was that, and it, and it could be disturbing to some listeners, uh, was that more and more people are actually using buy now, pay later for their day-to-day expenses, things like groceries. I think afterpay is even available at some pubs and clubs. But yeah, I suppose as interest, as those rate rises filter through the economy, that's perhaps when uh, the next few months will be sort of key as to whether people start to tighten their belts or not. Joyce Malakis is the senior banking reporter with The Australian. Thanks for joining us on The Front. You can read all Australia's best news, business, politics and sport right now at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.